This episode of Kid Lit These Days is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new Kid Lit books to read but are overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to episode 38 of Kid Lit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kid Lit These Days, we are your kid lit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Nicole Young, alongside Matthew Winner, and we're here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world of literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on September 13th, 2020, and today we are talking about School in the Clouds, fantasy and kids' literature. Hi, Matthew! Hey, Nicole, how are you? How's your week been? <laughs> Mine has been good, actually. It started off a little bumpy, but then I ended up really productive and feeling like I was in the zone at the end of the week. How about you? Ooh, how was yours? That's a good place to end. I have, let me give you an old man complaint first that I did not tell you before <laughs> recording. My... The my middle finger on my left hand has like a weird cramp slash sprain, and I'm like, "What happened? Did I get karate kicked in the hand or something? I don't know." Um, and I realized as I sat down to my computer to plan my lessons for the next week that I have a habit of pulling back that finger as I'm getting ready to type, and as yeah. soon as I pulled it back this weekend, I was like, "Ooh, ouch, sore." Oh, I've been on my computer too much this week. <laughs> so we're we're back at school. My my family started virtual school. I've been back at school for about two weeks now, and this Friday, um, I went back in person to to teach. We are gradually re-entering our our school, our private school in Maryland, and they're doing it really well, really safely. Um, but you know, there's, there's there's just weird mixed feelings. It was the greatest though to see children, to be in front of them, and to see their smiling eyes behind those masks. Oh. It was really wonderful. I love that. I feel like you and I talked before, but there's just like in general these mixed feelings about this moment, right? It's like there are many of my teacher friends who actually are excited to see their kids like you, and then you know there's just this underlying worry about this ongoing pandemic that we're a part of, and so it's just a mixed bag all around, but I do feel like it is so beautiful to just like celebrate these moments of joy, the connection with your students, being able to see them, them being able to get back to something that feels closer to a real routine, <laughs> as opposed to what we've been doing for the past six months, um, yeah. even if it is a little scary. Yeah. I, I got to read aloud, not only to my classes, um, but I, I have a partner class and they wanted me to continue the book I was reading aloud to them when we were still virtual. At the end of the day, I would read aloud at Closing Circle. Uh, and they were so excited to see me, to have me read aloud to them while they were having their their uh, like quiet, like cool down time before their next transition. And so um, 
you will love to hear that I'm reading to them uh, the 13th Street series by David Boles, a, a book series that I talked about on this show before. Mm-hmm. And um, they love to have the lights turned down in the classroom. Uh, <laughs> as they did in Zoom, they love to have their lights in their bedroom turned off while I'm reading this, oh. like, <laughs> this creepy slash silly book series. So that was adorable. I've got to say... Um, just to acknowledge it, I feel like I need to acknowledge it on record with someone. And and you, of course, are the best person to do that with. I went back to school on Friday, September 11th. Mm. And um, I carried that thought with me, the 19th anniversary of mm-hmm. um, the terrorist attack. Um, we had, there was a video that... Um, one of the um, one of our colleagues made to share with students um, that was really beautiful. Um, and my my administrator at one point came into the library to ask how I was doing. And, and she is a great woman who means what she asks when she says that. And so I always tell her and I told her, I feel good and scared. I feel good to be back with the children. I feel scared just about mm. just about being scared and, 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 you know, all the feelings that come with everything. But also because I was reflecting on September 11th and where I was mm. and what was going on. And a thing that I carried with throughout that day that I want to tell you and other book people to be aware of is that a very, very dear friend of mine, an author friend named Marcy Colleen, has a book coming out about September 11th. And in particular, uh, it's called Survivor Tree because it is about the lone tree, a pear tree that survived the uh, attack, the the collapse of the towers. It survived in Ground Zero and it's still there today. Um, and she wrote this beautifully poetic picture book about um, the resilience of this tree and it mirrors the resilience of people. The tree is changed and it's still there and it um, speaks to the survivors that are still here, how we are all affected. Uh, the book has already been announced. The cover will be revealed shortly. And it's illustrated by Aaron Becker, who uh, is a Caldecott Honor illustrator, best known for his Journey trilogy, a wordless series. Little Brown is publishing this book. And I just, um, Marcy is a a dear friend of mine. um, And I've carried that book in thought with me throughout that day. So I wanted to share that with you, a little preview of a book that won't be out until about another year from now-ish. But... um, but one that that I've been thinking about ever since I first read the manuscript, and one in particular that that I was thinking about on Friday. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I had a moment on Friday where I was in a meeting, and I looked at the date. I was writing the date down, and I was like, oh, it's September 11th. And I said it out loud in the meeting, and there was like kind of no reaction. And I, I, just, I just had a moment where I was like, this was such a huge tragedy for our country and it's interesting to be 19 years removed and like it is still um to your point ever present in the minds of the people who survived their families all of us who were witnesses to it um but it also just you realize how time erodes some of the like the things that we I mean we had remembrances every year for those first 15 years I just remember it being so intense um, and, and less so now. And I, I'm glad that there's a book coming out because I think it's a moment that we must like we have to remember and the lives that were lost there we have to remember in the same way that I think we will have to think sometime in the future about how we 
honor the people who who have been lost in this time, right? In this 2020 yeah. pandemic time. Um, and I'm just glad that that can be, that that can exist in kids' literature. That makes me really happy that that's a place also for remembrance. Me too. Because I think there's, a, you and I have been having so many conversations over the past six months about how do we talk to kids about grief? How do we talk to them about hard things? How do we talk to them about all of the, the craziness that has unfolded in the past year? Um, and I think we have to honor the fact that children are able to and want to know what is happening around them. And there are ways that we can approach really hard things with them. And, and the fact that kids literature remains a space where that can happen and that people are constantly thinking about how we, how we do that and we do it well and, and honor the, the minds and the hearts and souls of children, um, even as we navigate hard things. It's just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's great. This book. I mean, this book. I've been with Marcy through, again, writing the draft, through the book going out on submission and selling and getting an illustrator. And I've peeked at the cover art. <laughs> and, um, oh, I, it makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful. Oh. I'm so glad um, that it's going to be in the world. And I can't wait for it to be part of our future conversations yes. in the way that these these books are and these conversations are. Before we go further, Nicole, I want to take just a, a brief break and share one of our wonderful sponsors this week. So this episode of Kidlet These Days is sponsored by The Wizard and the Potion of Dreams by author Michael Sweater and illustrator Rachel Dukes from Oni Lion Forge Publishing Group. And here is how this book is is recommended. I love this. I'm going to read it in my best adventuring voice. Yes. Adventure awaits! A quest is coming! Excitement envelops all, and it's disturbing a reclusive young wizard's peace and quiet. <laughs> so, a garden-tending wizard, and I know you can't tell it from the way I'm... I'm, I'm talking, but this is a W-I-Z-E-R-D, a garden-tending wizard is dragged into the adventuring life by a small warrior princess as they seek the ingredients of a wish-granting potion. The warrior princess's wish? To get big and strong and hunky. Really hunky. <laughs> a princess... Let me keep reading. Thanks to ransacking goblins, a too noble knight, an evil witch, and the warrior's endless appetite, securing the potion ingredients won't be as quick or as simple as the wizard had hoped. Nicole, can we, can we talk for a moment? Can we talk for a moment about the line, the warrior princess's wish to get big and strong and really hunky? Come on. I want to read this book now. <laughs> this is amazing. Also, your adventure voice is incredible. I love it. <laughs> well, we have, we have been so grateful to Oni Lion Forge for sponsoring this podcast. And they've sponsored the past couple of episodes and shared a great number of wonderful books coming out. And so uh, we are looking forward to getting our hands on this one as well. <laughs> Yay. So let's, let's so... get into this idea of... Uh, school in the cloud. Tell me more about where yeah, so you are approaching this uh, conversation. You and I talked a little bit before, and apparently there's stuff in the zeitgeist that you're going to talk about. But I just was thinking, I was thinking that all of our kids are taking, are in classes right now that don't feel traditional, right? And I wanted to do an episode about school in the clouds, like fantasy schools, tradi like non-traditional 
like magical schools. Like I wanted to do an episode where we were talking about books that help kids reimagine like schools literally in the clouds. Um, and right. so I, yeah, the, the idea of focusing on fantasy in both picture books and middle grade books was kind of where I wanted to go with this as our kids are embarking on what is, if nothing else, a very strange school year, but <laughs> could be if they wanted to, it to be a magical school year, right? Yeah, your so approach... That was what I, oh, no, yeah. I was just going to say, your approach to me feels like Cardboard Kingdom. Have you read the book Cardboard Kingdom by Chad So I have not. Okay, have not, so not. in this book, the, these, these neighborhood kids build a... Uh, kingdom out of cardboard recycling but the book they also imagine it's it's a book about imaginative play they imagine this kingdom that they're all a different part of and the book goes between seeing the actual kids dressed in cardboard and and dress up into what they are imagining things look like and i love that you are uh approaching this topic with that sense of you're in this same unchanging environment, home space um, that you've been in all summer. How can you reimagine? How can you escape that space? That feels mm-hmm. so much like fantasy to me. What a clear through line. And of course, <laughs> me being, I guess, pragmatic in a sense, I went straight for, oh yeah, the cloud. We're all doing cloud-based learning right now. <laughs> so so naturally, that's where my brain went. Um, but I think that, that there's a, a neat tie-in there. So I was mentioning mm-hmm. to you when you had texted me about, I have this idea for an episode. What if we talked about school in the cloud? My brain went to, I've heard that phrase before. What is she talking about? And when I Googled it, I remembered why I had heard that phrase before. There's a TED Talk that I probably knew about from um, the TED Talk podcast called the TED Radio Hour. Uh, that was a 2013 podcast by, uh, I'm sorry. It was a 2013 TED Talk by educational researcher Sugata Mitra, where he talks about this notion of a school in the clouds, fully cloud-based learning. Um, and, And where he approached this from was first the experience of being in India he uh, would go through this small village and he one day left his computer there, a computer, to just see what would happen in this sort of rural, isolated village that didn't have uh, these computers. What would happen if I dropped off a computer uh, outside of a school? What would happen with the kids? And he did that. He came back, as he says in his TED Talk, and when he revisited, he, he, he discovered that not only... Um, did the kids have all these questions, but they also had taught themselves English in order to be able to understand what was going on on the computer. And then from there had all these different questions about how to um, make the memory of the computer bigger, to be able to do certain applications that they were exploring, all these different very fascinating things. And he tried it again in these different um, villages all across India, and he kept coming up with the same results. Uh, And so that led him to this thought of what if we uh, did, what if we rethought school? We love this adage of school being broken. But he said he wasn't approaching school from an idea of school being uh, something that needed to be fixed, but rather the way we think of school being obsolete. That school as as a system was formed to teach people how to write because it was a literate society that that enabled different things to be accomplished in this society. Uh, Same with uh, reading and writing. School was a a form of function around those two things. But his argument is 
kids don't need to learn how to write anymore because we can type. Uh, kids don't need to have one person giving them the information they think they need to know because we have access to all the information via the cloud. And so forming these spaces where kids can, he calls them the, these the soul, uh, S-O-L-E, self-organized learning environments, where kids really inform what they're learning, and then they have access to educators, to um, professionals that can help with how to um, further explore those topics and gain that knowledge. Uh, yeah. His his argument is that that's really where we should be going. And um, you have a lot of information about Montessori. I'd love to ask you to share, but um, just to um, connect folks with this TED Talk, before I do that, um, I'll link this information in our show notes, the 2013 TED Talk. But also, there's a trailer for a, a feature documentary uh, called School in the Cloud that that actually shows a school that is is being set up and run just this way. Uh, Sugata Mitra also wrote a book called The School in the Cloud, The Emerging Future of Learning. So I'll link to all of those things. But you had such a wonderful tie-in to Montessori that that I want to make sure I, I lean into your knowledge about that as well. Could you share yeah, more? Yeah, I think it's interesting because so the self-organized learning environments, even how you've described and how we talked about it before, I think really tie in with like the Montessorian philosophy around, you know, you have different age bands of students, right? So it's not just like we do in a traditional grade where it's like everyone is either eight and nine if they're in the fourth grade or whatever, but you have kids that are in within three years of each other and they are learning, they're organizing themselves into little learning pods they are learning there and teachers in most Montessori spaces really are there as guides. They see themselves as guides who help once, you know, that group of young people after they are self-directed in their learning, they get to kind of a plateau and they need a little support in getting up to the next level of learning. Like a teacher or a guide is there to help facilitate that next part of the exploration, that next part of the learning. And and really like you're, you're as a student, as a young person, as a kid, you are guiding your own learning in that space. The thing is, it's just such an interesting idea because right now Montessori is kind of having an identity crisis in the midst of this, uh, like this online learning thing, because a huge part of Montessori as it is traditionally conceived, particularly for like elementary schoolers, is is you have to have materials, right? So like having those beautiful like wooden blocks or having these counters or having these other things. Um, and so the the question for a lot of Montessori educators right now is around like, how do you make sure that you have in when everyone's home and they don't all have access to the same gorgeous materials that you would traditionally have at your school? How do you still get that kind of hands-on, self-guided, banded experience, right? Like multiple kids are helping, supporting each other in learning. Um, and it's just like an ongoing question. But I love that this is completely online, his, his concept, his work. Um, or that, you know, they're using the, the like online materials in order yeah. to, to facilitate this, but it's such a Montessorian frame of mind, right? Like you, the kid is their own, their own guide through this. Um, they can help direct their own topics. They help direct their own learning and in a group and a pod, they can help each other. Um, and you can benefit from the, like the skills and strengths of each person to help push the learning forward as a collective. It also, I just, I love Montessori and this idea because it really, trust the brilliance of children, right? Like kids are brilliant and we as adults can continue to guide, but like we should be 
um, we should be really investing deeply in this idea that kids can be their own guides in a lot of ways. Definitely. I love it. I would love to ask too, any of you listeners that, that do teach Montessori, I would love for uh, you to share with us. You can email us at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com, but share with us how how are you progressing through this pandemic? What has school looked like? What uh, ways have you had to change or adapt? And how's it going? We'd love to hear yes. that information. We can share it on a future episode, too. Uh, we bring up Montessori, and right away I think about Tiffany Jewell, our past guest. Yes! Um, and I think about uh, other people that, uh, that that come to mind from the, the Teach Montessori that um, you know we're all trying to figure out different ways to do this, but to, to, to continue to ask the question about what is school? What, what do we call school? And, and is what we are doing necessary or the most effective? It's fascinating to me. We at my school are, uh, you know, leaning into a blended learning approach because we are on devices, but in this case, we're also uh, in person. Um, but for those classes that are virtual, we're looking at how can we you know, more incorporate technology as a tool and a means for kids to explore on their own, but also have the guidance of the teacher. Uh, so, so it's, it's, I love that we're, that many of us, I should say, I can't speak for everyone, but I love that we are taking this opportunity as a means to rethink what is education? What is, what is, you know, the best way to engage and, and, and support children in learning and what new things can we try that maybe maybe this pandemic is a chance for us to shake things up and and just yeah. try something new it's it's a weirdly perversely perhaps uh, a wonderful benefit of of the circumstances we have found ourselves in is that it is it is allowing so many of us to be forced into the position of looking at is this the best way to do things? Are there better ways to do things? Yeah. And I also think it's like, try something new and maybe try something old, right? Oh, yeah. Montessori is old. old. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the idea that like, you know, I think for a long time, Montessori concepts and things like it were deemed too specific, too small. Um, you could only do it for a certain group of people, right? There's like all of these things, even though Maria Montessori originally wanted this to be kind of the egalitarian type of learning, but like it has been siloed and pocketed, right? And so like taking these things that we said were too expensive or too hard to do or only good for small groups and like seeing if they work in this Zoom setting, right? Like taking some of the old tools out and seeing how they are functioning in this new um, this new reality, I think is also an interesting thing. And I'm seeing people do it. And, and like you said, I would love to hear how educators, um, particularly Montessori educators are thinking about this moment right now. How are they doing things differently? What's inspiring them? Um, yeah, what's not? Wonderful. Well, why don't we get to our next sponsor? And then we are going to hopefully talk about some books that will play into that reimagining in a fun way. This episode is sponsored by Croaked by Lisa Harkrader from Yellow Jacket, an imprint of Little Bee Books. Croaked is the second book in this 
in the Misadventures of Nobbin Swill series by Lisa Harkrader. And Nobbin is now Prince Charming's assistant, though he's unable to assist him when things go awry, saving Princess Angelica. After that, Sir Roderick thinks the princess needs training and advises the king to send her away to a queen who can educate her. The king has doubts, but the queen suddenly shows up with her son, Figbert. <laughs> they they both torment everyone until one day Figbert disappears. Nobbin suspects Sir Roderick. They finally find Figbert, but he's not like they remember. He's smaller, rounder, and much greener. Can they find out who turned him into a frog and crack the case? I love that the name Figbert made you giggle that way. <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest. It's so hard to come up with names and to have a name land that is just a delight. I'm even looking at the I'm looking at the copy now and to read the word is just really joyful to look at that word. It is. It's fun. <laughs> Wonderful. This is a book that um that uh has a lot of illustrations. It's not a graphic novel. We would say uh I think we would call it a hybrid novel, right? Um mm-hmm. like Wimpy Kid in that way is a hybrid yeah. novel that it's using text and illustration to tell the story. And um, and the first book, I believe, is called Soaked. I, I remember my students reading it, so it's fun to know there's a second book coming out. That's great. Soaked and croaked. I love Soaked it. Soaked and yeah. croaked. Um, <laughs> oh, no. That sounds like a threat you can make to people. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, let's get into our book talk segment. Remember that this is the time that we will share a number of different books based on the, the topic we were sharing today, School in the Cloud. Uh, you can find all of the books we reference at the show notes for this episode. Just go to bookriot.com slash listen, find episode number 38 of Kid Let These Days. If there are titles you love and you want to cheer on, books we missed that you want to tell us about, you can go onto social media, use hashtag KidLitTheseDays, and we will see your recommendation and also say hi. Uh, you can also email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. So, Nicole and I, listeners, you we, we took two different approaches to this book list, and so we are going to um, I'm going to give all of my book recommendations in one group together. And then, Nicole, you're going to uh, share all of yours because they have a, a slightly different focus. Mm-hmm. The way I approached this topic um, was that I was looking at school taking place elsewhere, off Earth, if you will, um, as a means of uh, of exploring when authors and storytellers get creative thinking if school wasn't here, what could school look like? And so uh, here are the titles that I came up with to share. Uh, a couple, including graphic novels, because how can I not? Um, I want to share the Astronaut Academy series by Dave Roman. Uh, Dave uh, first wrote Zero Gravity, the first book in Astronaut Academy in 2011, and a sequel came out, Reentry, in 2013. This is about a school that takes place in space, as you can imagine, there are, there's a, um, <laughs> the Spanish teacher is a panda, senior panda. Yes. yes. <laughs> they play some really wild alternate games. Think like the uh, invention of Quidditch for Harry Potter. Yes. Okay. There's, there's alternate, there's games like that that take place in outer space. There's really neat video game tie-ins. And each chapter follows a different character. It's a story cycle in that way. So I, I love this um, school story uh, that, that mixes in fantasy elements 
Uh, it's just super fun. And I was so giddy to find out that there's a third book coming out in 2021 called Splashdown uh, from First Second. So that 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 is something I think many fans of the Astronaut Academy series have been asking for. To see another one coming out, it's going to be interesting. I also wonder, the first two books are in black and white, and I recommend these books to kids because they're in black and white and so many comics are full color now i wonder if they're redoing them in full color for 2021 we'll have to see Mm. but to have a third book in the series regardless is going to be fantastic dave uh writes wonderful wonderful comics for kids uh the next series i want to share is a picture book series by deborah underwood the first book is called interstellar cinderella it's illustrated by Meg Hunt. The second book is called Reading Beauty. These are uh, fractured fairy tales of uh, princess stories, but these are really uh, girl-centered, like mighty girl-centered and yes. STEM-centered. Uh, and and Interstellar Cinderella uh, involves Cinderella trying to get to the ball, uh, but uh, she, her, her, vehicle breaks down, her carriage breaks down along the way, and she has to fix it, and it rethinks the prince narrative. It's wonderful. And Reading Beauty, likewise, um, rethinks what it means to be a reader and reading all things. So that, that that's really fun. And Meg Hunt has a really wonderful way of illustrating these books. My color memory from these books is always that they are hues of pink and purple and blue. It's just neat to walk away with a color memory of a book. So Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's something I want to I want to share because, you know, we all engage in books different ways. So neat to be thinking about that. A uh hybrid middle grade series that everyone knows, but I will still yes. share it uh in this genre is Jedi Academy. Matthew, I have bought so many copies of this. Have you tiny have you continued to, have you continued to buy them into uh, the new the new author illustrator Jeffrey Brown so, started this series, and now um, uh, now the whole series is uh, written and illustrated by um, Lunch Lady author illustrator Jarrett Krasowska. I so my I did this for my nephews and my cousins, and so they aged out when it switched over. But I have bought so many of these. They're <laughs> so good, and they. Have you had a chance to read them yourself? I assume because you're buying them so much. You, you're, you're at least aware of what they look like inside, yes, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, they look adorable. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. To go from text to charts and graphs and this and that, it's just, it's so much almost like mixed media, but it's not mixed media. It's all, you know, drawn or painted by the artist, by Jeffrey or um, by uh, Jarrett. But they're so funny. And they're like full, fully sanctioned Star Wars series, mm-hmm. so it's so mm-hmm. good to have canon in the form of Jedi Academy, and there's so many of them to read. Um, so so neat to, again, look at parallels for how do we do school, and what are things that are different that we might wish we did in school now? Yeah. Another graphic novel series I'd love to recommend is The Time Museum by Matthew Liu. This is a, a, a a, a reimagining of how we learn. And in this case, you students enter the time museum and they can send you to different parts of time to learn. And uh, of, of course we have problems with that because when you go into time, you need to make sure that in this case, you, th- there are measures set up that you can't influence time, but 
unfortunately, you can still be injured by history. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it becomes very threatening. Um, wonderful uh, story uh, to, to read. And it's a series. And the final book I'll, I'll, I'll take us to, which was recommended by uh, some friends on Facebook, Sylvie Schaffer in particular, recommended um, that we read the wordless picture book called Field Trip to the Moon by John Hare, uh, which... Uh, just from scanning the what what few interior art um, spreads I could grab online, just looks wonderful. A giant school buttle school shuttle bus. I almost said school <laughs> buttle. I tried very, to blend the word it's together. It's very reminiscent of the magic school sure, bus. Sure, like that's the, a great connection. The, that first cover is like very reminiscent. Yeah, right. But but to to travel up to the moon and to have that I field trip, it. we're thinking of fun ways to take virtual field trips when we're all apart, we're all over Zoom or Google Meet. It's neat to be engaging with texts that that sort of challenge us to be thinking whimsically and be thinking fantastically. So so those are my recommendations of just school in alternate places. I love it. Can you tell me about the Cardboard Kingdom? Because I'm looking at it and it is exactly what I was thinking for this episode. Oh, cool. So to mention again about Cardboard Kingdom um, by Chad Sell, this is a book, and, and many other different authors. Chad illustrates the book, but different authors have written the chapters for each character, and Chad writes one of them. Uh, in the Cardboard Kingdom, uh, there are, I want to guess there are eight different neighborhood kids, uh, but don't quote me on that. But they're all from different families, and they all like to play together, and they, um, chapter by chapter join into this fantasy play using cardboard and and taking on for me the easiest connection is to compare it to Dungeons and Dragons where when you play Dungeons and Dragons your guild is imagining what's going on and taking on different fantasy roles and in that role playing even though you're around a table you are totally role playing as a different character um and in this book series the kids are actually more physical playing, but it is around different characters. And there are, gosh, there's like a, uh, I believe there's a necromancer or or at least a magician. There's a super strong character, a wizard, a knight. There's all these different characters. Um, and the characters that they play and how those role plays um, connect with the kids in their home life, in their family life, I, I think really is is beautiful in imagining the way that the characters we create in our own fantasy worlds are always informed by the fantasy we want to create for ourselves as a means of extending the things we already like or escaping the things we don't like. Cardboard Kingdom does a beautiful job of that, Nicole, and there's a second book uh, in the works, but uh, it's really a, a book. It's one of those, It's it's just like... um like El Defo by C.C. Bell, where I would say it's a comic that I believe adults need to read as well, because it really speaks to the way the format tells the story and how it just wouldn't quite work with the same effectiveness if done in prose. I love it. Um, so mine are, my book recs are a little bit off theme, even though it was the theme I was excited about. Doing, off I theme, it's your theme. I just took it a different way. <laughs> I love it though. I love yours. I feel like they're really tight in there. And mine are just kind of like 
fantasy involving kids that are like going out creating adventures. Fantasy is by far my favorite genre of kids literature, of middle grades reading, of of everything. I think it's just such a beautiful way for us to just escape where we are right now and create new worlds. So um, I wanted to recommend Kiran Mala in the Kingdom Beyond series, which is written by Shayantuni uh, Dashgupta. And she reads, she is the, um, the, the voice actor reading her own novels for the audiobooks, and she is excellent. Um, I just, I love her audio, um, her audiobook portrayals of the books, but there's three books in the series. The first one is The Serpent's Secret, the second one is Game of Stars, and the last one is The Chaos Curse. And they're all following Kiran Mala, who is an interdimensional demon slayer who doesn't know it. Um, no and way. So on her, the, <laughs> the morning of her 12th birthday, she um, she's like a regular sixth grader. She's living in New Jersey. And then her parents disappear. And a, rac- um, a Rakosh demon uh, is like slamming through her kitchen, right? And her parents had always said that she was, they had found her in a river of, I can't remember how it's described, river of dreams, river of sighs, something like that. And in India... And she just thought they were being weird, but like actually, that's where they found her. And so they're being literal. Is, yes, they're being actually <laughs> literal. And so she's, um, they she's an Indian princess, and she's got this like uh, this demon slayer like ability. And so it's like a swashbuckling three books. I really loved it. I've only through, um, only through the first one, Serpent Secret. Um, on audiobook but I just thought she did such a great job and I've heard so many good things about the other ones so I highly recommend this this series to jump into I knew Um, I know the cover and I know um the author from Twitter I did not know that she read her own audiobooks these are part of the Rick Riordan presents um imprint right mm -hmm, yes nice though that there there are so many authors writing so many things through that imprint that are like they're like you know, six hour audiobooks, and I want to listen to all of them. So I'm just gonna not teach for the next three months and only listen to this these series. <laughs> I'm also can we just say, like I have now that you have gotten me into audiobooks, I am really impressed by the authors who can read their own audiobooks with such fidelity because sometimes like it's kind of it's a little hard I can I can tell from some of the readings right like sometimes it's like better to have the like the actual actor come and do like the the audiobook so I am so blown away when the actual author of the book is like also I'm gonna do it and I <laughs> I just I think it's such a huge deal and so I love it um and I just wanted to highlight that so Dragons in the Bag is by Zeta Elliott and I saw her on a panel recently talking about just kind of fantasy in middle grades. And I just thought she was fantastic. Um, and I love Dragons in a Bag. And there's a sequel, The Dragon Thief, which I haven't read. Um, but Dragons in the Bag is following Jax, whose mom has to go. Um, she has to go to court for an eviction notice. And he, she drops him off at the house of this woman who he thinks is his grandmother. She keeps calling the woman Ma. And she's very crotchety. She does not want him to come at all into the, her house. Um, and so, but she ends up getting, he ends up getting dropped off with this woman who reveals that she is not actually his grandmother. And so he's like, what? My mom has left me with a stranger, but she has a mysterious package on the table, on her table that is from Madagascar. And she has this job to transport these three dragons into another realm where magic is. So he is, he enlists as Ma is the woman's name, Ma's apprentice. And they're on this adventure to return these dragons to the other realm. Um, and so I, I love the first book and I haven't read Dragon Thief, which is the second in the series, but Zeta Elliot, fantastic. And both of these, both this Zeta Elliot and uh, Kieran Mala 
um, the Kira Mala series, our own voices. So just wanted to highlight that. Um, I already did Kira Mala. Oh, and then Nettie Okafor, um, Okorafor, I'm sorry, Nettie Okorafor, who is the author of Akata Witch and the Binti series, everything. This is her first, she has a, um, a middle grades novel that just came out, I think about a month ago. It's called Ikenga. I haven't read it yet, but I got recommendations for this one. Um, so it's her acclaimed first novel for middle grade readers, and it enjoys, introduces a boy who can access superpowers with the help of the magical Ikenga. And um, Namdi's father was a good chief of police, perhaps the best Kalaria has ever seen. Um, he was determined to root out the criminals that had invaded the town, but then he was murdered. And most people believe the chief of chiefs, uh, most of the powerful criminals was, res- uh, most of the powerful criminals were responsible. And so Namdi has vowed to avenge his father, but he wonders what a 12 year old boy can do until a mysterious meeting, the gift of a magical object that enables superpowers and a charge to use those powers for good changes his life forever. How um, can he fulfill his mission and how will he learn to control his newfound power? So I love Nettie Okorafor's uh, YA books. And so I'm excited to dive into this middle grades one that she's got. I love, Nicole, um, can I just say I love the books you're recommending? I can feel that strong draw of why you're like, I really love fantasy books. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, you're, you're churning it back up in me, too. I know I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> I do. They're just, it's so great to escape into these new imaginings, these new worlds. I love it. Oh, yeah. And then my last is Arusha and the End of Time. Oh, my word. This is so good. Go. Yes. You love this one. Tell me about it. I haven't read this one. This one was recommended to me on Twitter. So Arusha and the End of Time by Roshani Chakshi. Um, tell Matthew, you've read it. Tell me about it because I have just the, just like the general description. I have not read the whole thing. This is one of those that, um, every once in a while I get, I get audiobooks, like I said, that are like eight hours long. And so I can't read the whole thing, but this is another one of those that is part of the Rick Reardon's Presents series. And when those Rick Reardon Presents books come out, I pay attention to them because not only do kids love them, but they're by own voices, authors, and they're, yes. they've been one after another fantastic so um the the i i I remember from listening to like the first i don't know hour is where i am it's still you should see my libro.fm account it's (laughs) (laughs) it's a mess um but i know that there's um connections to um to uh hindu beliefs in this book um that that's as far as I can get you though in this story. Um, yeah, so I have the I can read the out description. So twelve year old Arusha has a tendency to stretch the truth in order to fit in at school, and while her classmates are jetting off to family vacations in exotic locales, she will be spending her autumn break at home in the Museum of Ancient Indian Art and Culture, waiting for her mom to return from her latest archaeological trip. Is it any wonder that Aru makes up stories about being royalty traveling traveling to Paris and having a chauffeur? And one day, three classmates show up on her door, and they catch her in a lie, and they don't believe that her claim um, that the museum's lamp of Bharata is cursed, and so they dare her to prove it. And so she finds herself in a mess over this fib, but the lightning in the lamp has dire consequences, and she unwittingly frees the sleeper, an ancient demon whose duty is to awaken the god of destruction. Oh, yeah, god (gasps) of destruction, for sure. Oh no! And her and her classmates and beloved mother are frozen in time, and it's up to Aru to save them. Oh, so I didn't I... get that far. I didn't get to the kids coming to her doorstep, catching her in a lie. Catching oh her in a lie. boy, I'm gonna have to return mm-hmm. to it. 
<laughs> I'm excited to read this. Someone recommended it again on Twitter and um, it's also own voices. So all of the ones I recommend today are also own voices. And I am excited to dive into this one. Matthew, I got to go get the audiobook on my overdrive, on my library overdrive. Oh, account. boy. Oh, there's so much, so much listening to do. So much <laughs> listening. <laughs> well, I hope all of you listening also were excited about what was shared. Maybe you heard some brand new books to you or some books that you want to make sure you check out. Thank you so much for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast. We always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. And when you do that, you help other people find us. That's a good thing, right? You can find me, Matthew Winner, at Matthew Winner on Twitter. And you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at IttyBittyNY. Thanks to D.R. Baker for sound editing on this episode. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear on the show. May your coming days be storied and may the good stories keep on coming. <laughs>